Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, open your Bible if you have a Bible. If not, uh, we're going to have a giant Bible on the screen for you. We're going to read from Mark chapter 7. And um, we're starting a new sermon series today called How to Hear from God. Um, God has been stirring in people's hearts. God has been stirring in your hearts. God has been stirring in our church. And you can feel it on Sunday morning. You can feel the momentum of, of the Spirit of God doing stuff in people's hearts on Sunday. But also throughout the week. God is, is, is challenging people. God is shifting some things. Uh, we started off this year with a, with a pretty challenging sermon series called Goliath Must Fall. And um, it was a good sermon series. We identified a whole lot of giants in our lives. Um, but really identifying the giant is just the beginning uh, of actually having victory over a giant. And so many of us are still dealing with some, with some of the giants that we talked about. So you don't, you don't get rid of a 25-year-old giant in your life within one sermon series. Uh, it's a journey. And um, I just feel like this momentum that God has been doing in us, it, it, it's, it's coming to a, a, a culminating point. And I believe that this, that this, this summer, uh, over the next, I don't know, six weeks or so, uh, we haven't quite figured out just how long the sermon series is going to be, but over the next six, seven weeks, I really believe that this is the culminating point. This is why. God wants you to defeat your giant. This is why God wants you to give your life to him. This is why he brought us out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of sin, so that we could hear from him. This is the point. This is the purpose. And this is not only the purpose, but this is also a key component to the process. It is hearing from God that, that changes our lives. Uh, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. In other words, the more you hear from God, the more faith you have. The more God speaks to you, the more you hear from Him, the more hope you have, the more love you have, the more joy you have, the more peace you have. It is, it's hearing, hearing the voice of God. This is so important. This is not just for preachers and prophets and evangelists. The, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's, that's you all. So just, you know, if you can't say amen, just say, Bleh. and uh, just, you know, I'll, I'll hear you. Like that's, that's all of us. We're all just God. God's sheep, and we can all hear his voice. We can all hear his voice. In fact, Moses said, I, I, I wish that all of God's people were even prophets. And so not only can you hear God's voice, but you can hear what God wants to do in your generation and in your family and in your life and with your kids and with your, with your, with your marriage and in your job. You don't have to wander through life wondering, am I, am I following God? Am I in the right place? Am I saying the right thing to the right person? No, you can know. You can hear from God. And not only is this a, a big part of the point or the purpose of it all, but it is a key component to the process that as we hear from God, we get faith. As we hear from God, we get power to overcome the giants in our lives. And so I want to, I want to, over the next six, seven weeks, I want to just lay out there's some real practical steps to hearing from God. But today I just want to do an overview and talk to you about the importance 
of hearing from God, the absolute vital importance of hearing from God. And you might have just come into the church and you, you don't know what's going on. People are laughing at stuff that you don't find funny and, and people are like saying stuff and amening and stuff and it's kind of weird. And that's okay. You know, we, we welcome you, but this message is applicable to you because God wants to speak to you today. doesn't matter where you've come from or what you were doing last night. God can speak to you today. He can, he can speak to you. And when he speaks to you, he's, he's, not, he's not a condemning voice. He doesn't break you down. He doesn't leave you feeling hopeless. He always leaves you feeling hopeful. He always leaves you having, having joy and hope for the future. Confidence comes with the voice of God. And so I believe you can hear from God. And if you've been a Christian for 30 years and, and you've heard from God several times, we all have a step that we can take to go deeper. We can all connect with God further. We can all hear, with, hear from God more clearly. And I hope that you get something out of this. We're going to be talking about dreams, like actual dreams, like when you're sleeping. We're going to be talking about how God speaks to us through dreams. Uh, my, my, my wife and I have been really fascinated with this ever since I was young. God began speaking to me through spiritual dreams. I believe in spiritual dreams. Um, sometimes it is just the pizza, but sometimes it really is God speaking to you. And you need to be able to identify what's the difference between the pizza and the Holy Spirit, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to preach about dreams. We're going to talk, talk about visions. We're going to talk about how God speaks through people. We're going to talk about how God speaks speaks um, through, through, through open doors even. God, God will speak through open doors. God will speak through, through opportunities in your life. Uh, we're going to talk about how God speaks through his word and God speaks through his, his living. This is, this is a living book and it's, and it's alive and active for us. And so we're going to talk about different ways that God speaks to us. But just to, just to start us off, I want to look at a story in the Bible, um, which strangely enough is the only, as uh, far as I could find, if somebody can prove me wrong, that'd be awesome. But <laughs> as far as I can find, this is the only story in scripture where Jesus healed a deaf man. It's interesting because there's a lot of stories about Jesus hearing blind, healing blind people um, and Jesus healing lame people and Jesus healing lepers, several different stories, even of Jesus raising the dead. Jesus raised several people from the dead. Jesus uh, cast out demons from several people's you know, bodies. But this is, as far as I could find, the only story in all four gospels and all the things Jesus did where Jesus heals somebody who is deaf. And so... It was really easy for me to figure out what to preach on today. Uh, if you, in Mark chapter 7, um, verse 31, it says, Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the middle of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. And they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears. This is so weird. <laughs> Jesus takes him aside, puts his fingers in his ears, and spat and touched his tongue. It's, it's earnest, if anybody knows. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed. Actually, the, the, the Greek word there is groan. The original language means he groaned. Uh, it's a groaning of, of longing. It's a groaning of sorrow. And he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more they commanded him, the more they widely proclaimed it. He didn't even have a guest contest. He told them not to invite anybody, and they still, you guys need to step it up. You need to step it up. 
<laughs> and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. Man, that, that could be a, a, a banner, couldn't it? He does all things well. His timing is perfect. His ways are perfect. He does all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Whenever, whenever you're reading, um, uh, if, if you are new today and you're wondering, should I start reading the Bible? Where should I start? I would recommend the book of Mark, by the way. Uh, to all beginners, man, I recommend Mark. One, it's the shortest gospel, um, so you'll get through it quicker. But two, it's also the most kind of like factual. It's like, it's just the facts, ma'am. It's, uh, it's a whole lot of little stories that Mark is sharing. And um, he does have teaching mixed in there, uh, but, but he always, like Mark is more of an illustrated preacher, um, because whenever he's preaching, he always brings an illustration. So, so, so as you read through the Gospel of Mark, when you go home, um, look it up on, on blueletterbible.com or biblegateway.com. Um, you can look it up online, or if you need a Bible, we have Bibles available to you, physical Bibles. But, but as you read the Gospel of Mark, you're going you're gonna to find a pattern. The, the pattern is that, that Jesus, uh, God, Mark will record a teaching of Jesus, and then he will record um, an action of Jesus. So he will, do, he will do a sermon, and then he'll do the illustration. And so whenever you're reading about a story that Jesus is doing something, especially when it seems kind of weird, putting fingers in ears, touching the guy's tongue with his spit, uh, it's just, it just feels a little bit strange. Well, all you have to do is re, hit, hit rewind and read earlier in the chapter as to what Jesus was teaching about, and you start to understand that he is illustrating his sermon. He, he preaches a sermon, and then he, and then he illustrates it. And, and even at one point uh, in, in the gospel, he turns to the disciples and, and he said, didn't you get the lesson from that particular illustration? Didn't you understand about the 12 loaves? Didn't you understand what that meant? Like, I thought you picked that up because I was teaching about it. And then I did this and I thought that just helped explain everything. And that, that's the way that Jesus taught in the gospel of Mark. It's the way that he recorded it. And so it's very easy as, as I'm preaching on this and I'm reading about this and I'm, I'm kind of shaking my head going, man, Jesus was, was strange. He was a kind of weird guy. Like, what is he doing? Well, you hit rewind and you begin to read uh, the, the teaching. I'm not going to spend all my time reading that teaching, but, but earlier in this chapter, uh, he, is, he, is, he, is, he is teaching all about hearing. In fact, at the end of his sermon, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so the whole, the whole point of this entire chapter has so much to do with hearing. And he says, and, and then at the end of his sermon, he says, but, but what is key is what you have. If you have ears to hear, you will hear. So right on the outset, how to hear from God? Well, the first thing is you have to have ears that actually hear. Because what you hear uh, is determined by what you have. What you hear is determined by what you have. You guys are giving me blank stares, so I know I know I have to illustrate this for you. I know I have to I have to I have to be like Jesus and have a sermon illustration. So 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 I'm going to do a sermon illustration, and uh, you guys are all going to participate. You're going to help me. You're going to have to just get unreligious for a minute and and engage. And um uh and and and, and what we're going to do is we're going to answer. We're going to we're going to kill two birds with one stone. Okay, I'm going to prove my point that what you hear is based on what you have. What you have determines what you hear. I'm going to prove my point, and I'm going to answer an age-old question. I'm going to, I mean, it's been a debate for quite a while now. You guys probably been on your mind even when you came in here today. It was, it was the quest, burning question on your heart, okay? And this is the question that we're going to answer. All right, is it Laurel or is it Yanny? 
That's what we're going to answer. Is it Laurel or is it Yanny? If you don't know what I'm talking about, we do have a slide that, 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 that is printed with that so that you can actually see. Maybe you can't understand my, my accent. Is it Laurel or is it Yanny? And so just to test this out, go and test this out, okay? Because people say, well, you listen to different sound equipment. It's different. We have two speakers here. You guys are, we're all listening to the same thing. And uh, 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 we're going to, uh, Kevin's going to play um, the original recording. Um, which was recorded um, a week ago Friday by a teenager who was on vocabulary.com and she, she clicked on the little thing to hear it and it didn't sound like what she thought it was and so she recorded it and put it on Twitter and went viral and that's how important our society is. We are, we are engulfed in rigorous debate about very important subjects. So, so uh, go ahead and hit play and let's see what you all hear. Laurel. 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 All right, all right. How many of you hear Laurel? Laurel. How many of you yeah. hear, okay, hands down, how many of you hear Yanny? Yanny, we got a few Yannies. For real. Okay, okay, okay. How many of you hear Lanny? <laughs> That's what I heard the first time I was All right, so, so we have a few Yannies. We have a lot of Laurels. Okay, now, now let's take it up three octaves. Okay, let's take it up, uh, take it, take it up, and let's see how. Laurel, it. Laurel, Laurel, Laurel. Okay, how many of you Laurel. hear Laurel? Laurel. How many of you hear Yanny? Laurel. A couple of you. Okay, all right. Now let's take it down. Let's take it down three octaves. Let's let's, let's try that. Laurel, Laurel, Laurel. <laughs> Yanny. Okay, all right, all right, all right. How many Yanny. of you now hear Yanny and you used to hear Laurel? All right. All right, how many of you still hear Laurel? Nice, okay. All right, now just for fun, we have an ascending and descending one. It just kind of, it kind of goes along with, so let's, let's just, just check it out. Let's check it out. Laurel, 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 Yummy, how many of you heard both Yanny and Laurel based on where the, the frequency was? Awesome. Okay. Put your hands down. How many of you just heard one the whole time? Just just one. All right. You're weird. We, we have a few. We have a few weird people. Welcome to Austin. You fit in. Um, no, no, no. It's true because I was, I, was, I was fascinated by this. How many of you have kind of been watching this on Facebook, social media, Twitter, all that kind of stuff? Like it's been kind of going around. Um, and uh, CNN did a report on it and uh, they, had a, they had a scientist on. And uh, apparently um, the actual word is technically Laurel. Um, it is actually Laurel. The girl, the high school girl was looking up the word Laurel and she heard Yanny. And which is why it just kind of wigged her out. Um, and the reason why uh, the scientist believes that she heard Yanny was because of the shape of her ear. 
Now, there are several things that could affect this. One, the quality of your eardrums. So how many rock concerts you've been to, uh, how many South by Southwest events you've attended, that's going to affect you. Um, but also, but even if we all had the exact same quality hearing, if all of our eardrums were the exact same, um, the shape of our ears are different. And the shape of your ears determines what kind of frequencies you're able to hear. And so people who, when it's, when it's in the original range, people who he hear Yanny, they hear Yanny because their ears don't pick up the higher frequencies. So, like, there's something wrong with you. You're, you're, there's, you. That's why you came to church, so we can tell you what was wrong with you. That's it. That's what it is. You need to get a little duct tape and just kind of wrap it around or something. I don't know, get the... The, the cones a little bit more, you know, but all of our ears are shaped different. Like my, my ears really curl kind of around the outside rows do not. And so, you know, it just kind of, it can, it can catch the sound waves differently. And that's why, that's why when you drop it down, that's why when you drop the, the, the frequency down really, really low, that's why most of us are able to hear Yanny because the higher frequencies are gone. So you take out the higher frequencies and Laurel sounds like Yanny. Anyway, it's what's, what, the reason, what fascinates me about this, I love sociology. What fascinates me about this, this is kind of like the black dress, black and gold dress, yellow and blue, whatever that was. It was a visual uh, mind trick. This is an audible audio mind trick. And, 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 and what I love about visual and audio mind tricks when played on Western culture is that it totally freaks us out. Because we have been brought into a society that we have been taught to completely trust our five senses. Right, like I was, I was, I was watching a debate um, with an atheist the other day, and he was saying, "I only believe in science because science is real." And from a philosophical standpoint, I thought that was interesting because he never defined real. He never actually defined what real means. But to him, if he could see it, touch it, smell it, taste it, hear it, then it's real. And it's, so, so that's why I love these kind of tricks because it, it, it jacks with our Western culture that just because we can measure it with our hearing, then it's actually real. Well, maybe, or maybe what you're hearing is dependent upon what you have. That you have, you either have an ear to hear those high frequencies or you don't have an ear to hear those high frequencies. And I, and I, and I just think it's interesting because, because Jesus is healing a deaf man. He has ears, but they're not hearing anything. And the illustration, this is a sermon illustration for the sermon that he preached earlier in the passage where he was confronting a deaf religion. He was talking to the Pharisees. And man, like people who think Jesus was sweet all the time, they really ought to actually read their Bible. Like, 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 like just pick it up and read it. Jesus yells at these guys. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? He just calls them hypocrites. You don't know my heart. You can't judge me. And he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. They're coming to churches, so they're wasting their time. He's like, dude, you're raising your hands, but it's pointless. Like Jesus just lays into them. He, he just, he starts, he starts, he starts convicting them. Not condemning them, but convicting them. What is he doing? He's talking to people who are stuck in a deaf religion. In other words, they can't pick up the frequency of heaven. They can't pick up the higher frequencies that God's saying. They're hearing God's word, but all they hear is Yanny. Yanny, Yanny, Yanny. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're hearing, they're hearing, be holy. And, 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 th and this is actually what Jesus goes off on them about. He said, you lay aside the commandments of God and you hold to the tradition of men. And he says, specifically, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things. 
And when I read that earlier in the week, I was like, Jesus, aren't you being a little too hard on people? I mean, going off on people for washing cups? Like, like you know, there are, there are rapists and murderers. There are uh, child traffickers that you could be going off on. There are, there are really bad people in this world. How come you're spending your precious moments on earth going off on people who are washing their dishes? Like, I mean, are you going to go to hell because you wash the dishes? I, I, that's, that's why I don't do it, honey, because I'm, 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 I, am, I am holding fast to the word of the Lord. And I'm praying for your soul, honey, because someone's got to do it. But it's just, it's tough because Jesus, you know, I mean, he's going off on the dishwashers. <laughs> no, we, I, I tried to wash dishes one time in our marriage. And yeah, apparently the food's supposed to come off the plates. I thought, anyway, they're like little chunks of things. It just stays on there. It just doesn't go anywhere. It's been cleaned, right? Soap's on it. It's been scrubbed. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, Jesus goes off on these guys for washing dishes. And I'm like, Lord, why is it? And he said, and, and I feel like it's because he, he's, he's talking about a deafness to the frequency of God. That whenever God is saying holiness, they're hearing, they're hearing wash the dishes clean the cups. God's saying, clean your heart, and they're hearing, clean the cups. God's saying, get, get, get the, 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 the greed out of your heart. And God's saying, oh, and they're hearing, okay, I need, to, I need to clean this dish or this pitcher. God's, God's speaking to them about Laurel, and they're hearing Yanny. God's speaking to them about holiness, about rightness, about walking with him. God's speaking to him, them about relationship, and they're hearing religion. And it's because they don't have an ear that is attuned, because your values your values will shift. Your values will shift the voice of God in your life. What you value, what you love is the filter that you will hear God's voice through. It is the ear that you have. It may not be the shape necessarily of your physical ear, but it is the shape of your life that catches the frequency of heaven. It is the shape of your life. And sin blocks the sound of heaven. Sin blocks the sound of heaven. Jesus said, you laid aside the commandments of God. That's the first step. There's a process to this. They didn't first embrace the commandments of men. They didn't first think, wow, I need to wash the dishes more than I need to, to, to clean out my heart or, or clear my conscience or actually help my neighbor. No, no, they, they, they didn't do it first. The first thing they did was they laid aside the commandments of God. And this is true, I think, of everybody that falls into real heresy, right? That really believe crazy, wacky stuff that you can't prove or, or even debate, or, or it's not even logical. It's not biblical, and it's certainly not logical. And they ultimately just have to say, well, that's just what I believe. And so it's like, well, okay, but why? Why do you believe that? And, and, and behind, every, behind every great heresy is first laying aside of the commandments of God. What happens is we block the truth of God in our life, and once you've blocked the truth, any lie will do. I'll take that one or a little bit of that one or I'll mix that one with that one, get a little bit of this one, pull it together. And, and, and it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to line up because I didn't, I didn't adopt it because it made sense. I adopted it because I needed something. And when God was speaking to me, I wasn't hearing the words that he was saying. I was hearing the words that, that my ears were conditioned and shaped to hear, that the shape of our life affects the voice, the way that we hear the voice of God in our life. 
And this is, this is so tricky because um, I've, I've grown up in church. I don't know if, if any of you guys, if we have any fellow church uh, survivors, any fellow church survivors. Okay, I got a few of you. Um, okay, well, this, this might make sense to you. Uh, but but there's, there's, a, there, there, there's a moment, there's a moment of revelation for me. Uh, a few years back, um, uh, we had some friends visit, Don and JT, last week. They were visiting our church. Um, and we got to know them really well when we lived in Nashville. And um, they were doing this little teaching, which I helped them put together. And they were sharing about the Father heart of God. Now, I've grown up in church, so I know a lot about the love of God. I've heard it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, but the way that they said it was, was a little bit different. First, they said something that I've heard a lot. They said, you can't do anything to make God love you any less. And I've heard that so much, right? And that's really good for all of the sinners out there. Um, for, for those of us who are perfect, it doesn't help us a whole lot. But, but, for, but for all of those sinners out there, for all those people that are always making mistakes, that makes them feel good. All right, I can't do anything to make God love me any less. Awesome. He loves me just the same. And it's true. It's a good point. But then they said something that challenged me as a person who, who has been working all his life to not sin and to hear from God and to follow God. They said, you can't do anything that could make you love God, make God love you more. And that was a bit of revelation for me. Not because I would have said, well, you know, God loves me more than other people. I'd never say that. But there's a certain sense in which I, I began to believe this, this general idea that, that the more, because this is how it worked for me. This is what happened for me. I, 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 I started off far from God. And then I said yes to him. I obeyed him. I received his word. And when I received his word, he began speaking more to me. That's actually not the right way to say it, but that's the way it felt. That's the way it was. That's, that's how it happened. It's not always necessarily what, it, what happened, but that's how it happened, right? For me, that's how I perceived it. That the more I obeyed, the more I walked with him, the more I heard from him. And his voice, the Bible says that, that, that the word of God brings faith to us. And so it's, he, he's never condemning me. He's never judging me. He's always encouraging me. He's always speaking to my value. He's always speaking his love. He's speaking hope. He's speaking joy. And so the more I obey God, the more hope I got, the more joy I got. God, the more I heard him tell me how much he loved me, the more I heard him directing me, the more I could rely on him, the more faithful he seemed to me. And, and that's, that's kind of the, 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 the Laurel versus Yanni argument of Christianity, that, that the closer I got to God, it seemed like the more he spoke to me. And so I could start to believe that the, that the more I follow God, the more he loved me, because technically, the more I followed him, the more I heard of his love. But that's kind of the key. My ears began, my spiritual ears began taking shape to where I could hear the voice of my father. And it's not that he loved me more the more I followed him. It's that the more I followed him, the more I understood how much he loved me. If that makes sense. And there are people far from God and they have no idea how much God loves them. And they feel like God's never speaking to them. And that's simply not true. God is speaking to them. God is rejoicing over them. God is delighted in them. God is calling them. God is drawing them. God is encouraging them. God is cheering for them. God is, God is promoting them. God is calling out to them. He is for them. He is, he is even, even in his conviction, he's bringing hope. But they don't pick up on it. They don't hear it. He says, he says, he says, come to me and find the ability to be different. And they hear judgment. Yeah. They hear condemnation. They hear not good enough. 
It's the Yanni versus Laurel argument in the spirit realm. And so the key of all of life, really, I don't think we necessarily even have a morality problem or a living problem. We have a hearing problem. We don't hear God. We don't hear his voice. We hear it, but we don't pick up on the sound because the shape of our lives, the shape of our spiritual ears are, are twisted in such a way that, 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 that just like the Pharisees, God says, be holy, and they say, okay, I need to do more. I need to start washing some more. I need to, I need to get more cleanliness out of here. Uh, I'm, also, I'm, I'm also attending this online class. It's, a, it's, like, it's like a college course um, on psychology. I just like to expand my learning. Uh, personality traits. And the guy was looking at um, uh, kind of extreme personality traits like you know Hitler and um, Mao and Stalin and the Columbine shooters and, and different, different people like that. You know, people that we would say are really, really out there. Um, but one of the things, one of the common things themes that he sees in them is this, is this, is this constant level of disgust, which, which comes out in a sense of orderliness and usually a sense of cleanliness. Like they're always having to clean everything, always having to clean because they are constantly disgusted by everything that's not perfect, in their mind, perfect. I think it's one of the Columbine shooters that said, uh, people are evil and ought to be eradicated. But within that statement, people are evil. He includes people, he includes himself. Which is why all sin is rooted in self-rejection, self-hatred. That we reject what God has made and then we reject the one who made it. And our ears are shaped in such a way that we cannot hear his acceptance of us. That all of humanity is not evil and they don't need to be eradicated. But we have this strong sense of disgust for people who don't live up to our standards. But it comes from a disgust in ourselves. That we don't live up to our own standards. And there's this strong sense, and it contorts what we say. But the power of God's word, if we, could, if we could hear and receive the word of God. His word is actually synonymous with his, with his work. His word is synonymous with the miracles. We sang today about the fact that he's the God of miracles. Well, how does he do miracles? Through his word. He speaks, and his word creates I mean, even in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, he steps into nothing. I think the Latin term is ex nihilio, which means out of nothing. God created everything. He steps into complete blackness, complete nothingness. And, and with nothing, he creates everything. He, he speaks. Now, he didn't just have nothing. He had one thing, and that was his word. Technically, four words. He said, let there be light. And when he said that, immediately thing, a thing that was not a thing prior to his word suddenly became a thing. Light suddenly appeared. He said, let there be light. And that was his word. And his word is synonymous with his work. And so every giant in your life, everything that you're facing, everything that is, is conquering you and defeating you can only be defeated or conquered or eliminated by the word of God in your life. And so it's so important that we receive the word of God, that we hear the word of God, because when he speaks, I mean, one word from God is worth a thousand sermons from Harry. 
<laughs> I'm just telling you, uh, one word from God is worth, is worth a million songs from Mia and Dallas. One word from God is worth so much more than anything that human minds can put together because when he speaks, it's not just this, oh, this aha moment. No, it's an aha moment with the power to step into the aha, to do something about it, to change it. It, it, it doesn't just illuminate your mind. It also empowers your feet and your legs and your hands and your arms and, and your body to be able to respond to his word. So he said, let there be light. And immediately there was light. And of course, that's a paraphrase. There was actually electromagnetic radiation with, according to some people, with varying wavelengths traveling at 186,282 miles per second. Let there be radio waves, microwaves, x-rays. Let there be photosynthesis, fiber optics. Let there be LASIK surgery, satellite communication suntans, rainbows. I mean, when he said, let there be light, it was more than just this clicking on a bulb. It was creating what previously had not existed. He said, let there be light. And God's first recorded words are also his first recorded miracle. Because you can't differentiate the two. The two come in the same package. They come together. His words bring power. And if you're lacking power in your life, I would suggest that you are lacking the word of God in your life. So we need to hear from God. It is, it is God's voice that, that not only does it bring power into our life, because here's the deal, like Jesus, Jesus confronts these guys. He says, he says, all too well, you reject the commandment of God so that you can keep your tradition. And then he, he talks about a specific way that they do that. And essentially it has to do with what they tell other people. So they reject God themselves and they can't hear God. And then they start telling other people this distorted version of God. Because if you don't hear the voice of God, you never find your own voice. You never figure out your own uh, uh, person that God created you to be. Uh, there's a story about uh, Dr. Um, Tomatis, Alf Al Alfred Tomatis, over half a century ago. Um, there was, there, there, there was a, a famous opera singer who had suddenly uh, um, been unable to sing certain notes. Like within his range, he had this broad range, yet within his range, he just stopped being able to sing certain notes. And so they took him around to a lot of ear, nose, and throat specialists, and, and they finally... Uh, decided that you know we think it has to do with your vocal cords. Something's bad with your particular vocal cords. They just don't they just don't vibrate in on the, in, in, the, in these particular tones anymore. Until Dr. Tomatis uh, interviewed him and 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 he he brought along with him a sonom a, a sonometer, which is which is which is a thing that measures the sound waves. Um, at, a, at a decibel level. And so he put the sonometer uh, three feet away from the opera singer and he said, okay, now sing. And he found that your average opera singer sings at about 140 decibels when you're three feet away from him. Uh, that's a little bit more than, um, than a military jet engine taking off. <laughs> that's very loud. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit less than our worship. It's kind of, it's right there. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting better. We got the angles and the speakers and everything. Uh, but, but no, it's, it's loud. And it, you, you start getting hearing loss at that point. Well, if that's happening three feet away from a guy, then in his own head, in his jarring around in his, in his, in his brain, in his ears, is this sound. It's even louder. And so this is what Dr. Tomatis uh, concluded. He concluded that the opera singer had deafened himself by the sound of his own words. 
<laughs> That's a sermon right there. The sound of his own voice hurt his, his hearing so bad and so it became, he became deaf to certain tones. And it's called selective muteness, which was caused by, or selective muteness was caused by selective deafness. And as Dr. Tomata said, the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. <laughs> and if that's true for opera singers, it's true for you and me. Our voice, the song of our life, is only going to sound as good as our ability to hear the song of heaven. We cannot sing what we haven't heard. And this is why people who are distorted in their hearing start singing this life that just sounds out of tune. It's broken. It's, it's missing parts. It's, it's all over the map. Because they're, they're just trying, they're shooting out of deafness. They're singing out without hearing. And yet God has a beautiful song over your life. The Bible says he actually sings over us. And so he is singing over us. And as we hear his song, that's how we can replicate it, repl replicate it to the world. That's how we can begin singing the song that God is singing over us. And if you're wondering why your life is out of tune, it's because you can't hear the voice of God. Because there's this, there's this blockage. And so Jesus takes the man. And uh, if, if we go to verse, uh, verse 32, he took him aside from the multitude. I think that's important. Whenever God wants to teach you how to hear his voice, he first pulls you away from the voices from the crowd. He first pulls you away from the, the competing voices, from the, comp the competition uh, in your newsfeed or, or, or in your earbuds, the competition the all around you, the, just all of the voices, all of these other voices. He first begins to silence those other voices. And one of the reasons why we don't hear from God is because we're too busy listening to everybody else. And there's this guy who's got that opinion, and there's that book that says that, and then there's this YouTube that says this, and then there's this person that posted that. And, and we, get, we hear all of these voices all, all at once. That's called white noise. White noise is basically when every frequency is played at the same time. You can't pick up anything. And that's why within our head, it's almost like we have all these TVs on with the fuzzy white noise going on and we can't focus or concentrate on anything. And that's called torture, actually. That's, uh, according to the UN, that's torture. To make somebody listen to white noise for an elongated period of time will actually affect your brain. It'll affect your ability to concentrate or think because your, your brain is trying to get these signals and it's hearing just the, all the frequencies all at once. And that's why we're exhausted. That's why we're tired. That's why we don't hardly accomplish anything in the day and we're wore out because we're trying to process all of these voices all at once. So Jesus says, come away from the crowd. Come away from the noise. Come away from the news feed. Come away from the, the, constant, the constant barrage of ads and, and voices and opinions. Everybody's got them, but you don't have to hear all of them because 99% of them are worthless. And so every, all of this stuff, like people, we live in a generation where more people are talking and less people have anything to say. And that's because, that's because nobody is actually listening. We're talking and talking. We're all adding to the noise. We're adding another frequency. And Jesus says, no, if you really want to have something to actually say, you're going to have to hear from me. And so he takes the man away from the crowd. He takes him off by himself. The man willingly goes with him. And then he puts his fingers in his ears. 
Because I think Jesus is, is getting to the point that, that the real problem is not this, this, this thing right here on the side of your head. You have to go a little bit deeper than that. The real problem is just past the, right? It's, it's not your ears, it's what's in between your ears. <laughs> the, the reason you can't hear is not, it's not, it's not the shape of your life. It's, it's, it's within, it's what creates the shape of your life. It's, it's between your ears. That it's your thinking, it's your mind. He's going between the guy's ears. He's saying, this is where the healing needs to start. Because you cannot, you can only hear with what you have. And so Jesus does a, another Genesis moment. He recreates the guy's eardrums. The same voice that said, let there be light, says here, be opened. And notice, notice what's happening when Jesus says this. He looks up to heaven. He's looking up to heaven as he has his fingers in the guy's ears. He's looking up to heaven. And he says to him, to the man, be open. But he's looking up to heaven. And I think that's because Jesus is opening two things simultaneously here. He's opening the guy's ears, meaning he's giving him an ear that's able to pick up on the frequencies that are coming out of his mouth. But he's also opening heaven over them. He's looking up to heaven and he says, be opened. And it's so important that you, like, there, there, there are certain times, there are certain opportunities that you're never going to get again. This guy is standing in an opportunity he's never going to have again in his life. He's standing before Jesus. Jesus, fingers in the ears. And then Jesus speaks upward to the heavens. And he says, be opened. And for a moment there, the man is literally standing under an open heaven. That there is this, there is this connection between heaven and earth. And that's what Jesus said for you to pray. That, your, that God's kingdom would come to earth. That his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That there would be a connection between heaven and earth. But there's this barrier, right? And Jesus parts the barrier. He says, let it be open. He's, he pulls apart that barrier. And that man is standing under an open heaven. And the first words he hears, and that's, that's why most scholars believe that, that, that Mark actually quotes Jesus. Uh, he doesn't actually quote him most of the time. He always spoke in Aramaic, but usually it's translated in Greek. But here he actually quotes him because that's the first word the guy ever heard in his life. He says, Ephatha. Ephatha. It's the first syllables that man ever recognized. It's the first vibrations that his new eardrums had ever received. Because he's standing under an open heaven, hearing the word of Jesus for the first time. And that when you're under an open heaven, your ears begin to open. When you're under an open heaven, your ears begin to open. I, I, I preached a couple of weeks ago about how God is stirring in City Chapel. And God is stirring the water. And God is stirring people's passions. And God's stirring people's hearts. And he's stirring up faith. And he's stirring. You, you, you have to jump in while the water is being stirred. It's so important that while you're under an open heaven, that you seize that opportunity. 
It's so important that while you're under an open heaven that you don't run saying, man, this is weird. Guy's got his fingers in my ears. I don't know what's going on. He just licked my tongue, kind of. Like, this is just spit on me. I mean, this is, this is just odd. But he stands there. He stays there. Sometimes it's helpful just to stand under an open heaven, to stand in a place where God is moving in your life, to stand in a place where God is speaking to you. Sometimes it's a particular song that you hear. When you hear that song, you start feeling the, 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 the presence of God. Well, listen to that song a lot, <laughs> you know? I mean, it, like, like, like whatever that place may be for you, you have to go to that open heaven place, the place where the heavens open up and the barriers are removed. And that's what it means by be open. It, 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 in the original word, it's, it's dia plus open. It means to go through something. So something is, is stuck up here. It runs into a barrier and then it breaks through that barrier and comes out the other side. That's what it means to be open. He's not asking him to open, like, like open a door. He's asking for the word of God to come piercing through the sky, through the heaven, through the barrier that's between heaven and earth and rupture basically as it comes through, it creates an opening. That the word of God is so powerful that you can, you can crucify it and bury it and roll a stone over it, but three days later, that stone cannot stay. It's going to come through that thing. It's going to go through it. It's going to break through it. And that there's going to be this place, the space of an open heaven for the man. And the fingers uh, in the ear and he's standing there and he just receives. That's a pa it's a passive word. When it says be opened, it doesn't say open. He doesn't tell the man, open your ears, because he can't. It's passive. It's, it's weird. It's, 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 a, it's a passive verb. It's, it's in the imperative mood, but it's in the passive voice. In other words, he's commanding for the man to allow something to happen inside of him. Because God's word is powerful and it is coming, but you have to allow the word to enter into your heart. You have to allow it to enter into your mind and it will cause disruption and it will cause uh, stretching and it will cause breaking and it will probably make you readjust your value system and make you realign your schedule and do different things with your finances and do different things with your family and in your home. It'll, it'll cut right through the middle of your life and it'll break this, it'll create this opening. As it cuts through, it creates an opening. That's why the Bible says the word of God is like a, a two-edged sword. It, it cuts right into our heart. And as it does, it creates an opening for the word of God, for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. When we allow the word of God to start breaking into our lives. And so you might be at different stages. You might be at the very beginning where the word of God is just now hitting you on the head. And you're like, boy, this is going to this is gonna go right through me. Absolutely. Be open. Be opened. Allow the Word of God to first change your thinking, then change your desires, then change your feet and change your walk and change your life. Allow it to cut right through you. Or you might, you might, you might, might be the Word's gotten down to this far, but now it's getting, now, now He's getting all personal on you, you know? Now He's dealing with all kinds of, and you're like, okay, I'm tired of that. I'm open enough. We got, we got a little, my, my head's open, so I'm ready to hear a good sermon every now and then, but I'm not ready to change. Uh, you know, okay, we're going to stop it right there. And you can do that. You can stop the Word of God in your life. You can, you can block it. You can say, okay, that, that this far and no further. Cl I'm closing the closet door. I'm closing the bedroom door. You can stay in the living room, Jesus. Just hang out right here. It's all good. 
But what, but what God wants to do is he wants everything to be open. Because the place where you, where you resist his voice is the place where you stay in bondage. The place where you resist his word is the place where you stay in darkness and in poverty and in brokenness. And the thing that you're so afraid of, vulnerability, is actually the very thing that you need. And as it cuts into this part and it gets into your heart, man, you just have to allow it. You have to allow him to get into your bedroom. You have to allow him to get into your memories. You have to allow him to get into your past. You have to allow him to tell you about that time when you were a kid. You have to allow him to speak his word. And you're so afraid of him judging you, but he's not there to judge you. His voice always comes with hope and confidence and healing and reassurance. And it comes into this spot. And then it gets down into your legs, into your life, into how you're walking and how you're living and what you're doing. And you say, man, I'm not ready to do that because I'm going to lose all my friends. And I'm going to deal with this. And I'm going to look weird. And, you know, and, and we always, it's always met with fear, isn't it? We close off because we're afraid. Like, like, you don't have to worry about the Word of God disrupting the good stuff in your life. He's going to disrupt your life. Absolutely, it's going to cut through. But it's going to bring healing. It's actually the wounds that bring healing that He gives. He cuts in and then He brings healing and wholeness. And, and He brings your greatest dreams to the forefront. And he says, this is what I placed in your heart. And this is what you're created to do. And this is what you can do as you walk in obedience to me. So Lord, we, we do right now, we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. We open our past to you. We open our, our philosophy to you. We open our reasoning to you. We open our arguments to you. We open our families to you. We open every aspect of our hearts and our lives. We open every door, the closet, the, the bedroom, the, the, the pantry, the kitchen. We, we open every area of our life for the Holy Spirit, for the Word of God to speak to us about those issues, about those things. What do you feel about that? What do you think about that? We want to hear your voice because your voice is the one that brings healing. It's the one that brings purpose from our pain. It re, realigns our values. So we welcome the voice of heaven today.